It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here. Only Thursday. Happy uh, Thursday to all of you out there. Appreciate you joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, two guests, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show, joins us. And uh, Phil, we have somebody to lead it off today. The uh, let's see, Chris Phillips lead it off. No, uh, Michael Bratton at noon. No, oh, noon, noon, noon. Oh, yeah. Second hour. Okay, I got the Eastern time thing. Uh, compared to you. So Chris Phillips spurs up show with his high energy segment coming in um, in about 30 minutes. And then Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast, uh, SEC Mike, uh, going to get his take on Texas A&M, South Carolina. Uh, obviously, if you listen to his show, and we're big fans here, uh, <clears throat> there's uh, probably one excited cousin Shane <laughs> after last weekend's win <laughs> by the Vols uh, in Knoxville. I, he's one of the first people I thought of when um, – when they won last week. So uh, I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting to get his take on how cousin Shane is doing uh, and also mm-hmm. check in with Mike. He's one of the best uh, that covers the entire conference. Uh, and, 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 you know, the thing I like about Mike so much is <clears throat> he doesn't just go like Georgia, Bama, uh, you know, LSU, uh, the name he'll dig into Missouri. He'll dig into Vanderbilt. Uh, <clears throat> he digs into South Carolina. I mean, he's one of the guys out there that, uh, I think uh, pr- pretty similar to Josh Pate, like knows uh, the entire league. So we always look forward to talking to Mike. I think it's his third or fourth time on. Uh, Going to kind of get his take to, you know, reset everything and uh, and move forward and, and see what his thoughts are on, uh, you know, the league this year, Phil, as a whole, if you look at it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of more competitive and more interesting. I mean, you got an undefeated Ole Miss team sitting out there. I don't, I don't know how good Ole Miss is. You know, uh, but they're in the top ten unbeaten. Uh, Tennessee obviously uh, is a big story this year, having beaten Bama. I think Bama is is one of the most interesting Alabama teams, uh, just in terms of, of being interested. You know, interesting because uh, some some years you know they're so dominant that it's just like uh, another Alabama game. Yeah, it's funny. The questions make them more interesting. The questions make them more interesting. Yeah, I, I watched Saban's press conference yesterday, Phil, and I was like, or Tuesday, I guess. And he just looked down on the dumps. I mean, like nervous, worried, concerned. I mean, just uh, frustrated. I don't know what, what adjective you, you'd use, but he didn't look like himself. I always try to check out his pressers because – they're entertaining. He usually has something to say about the the general good of college football, and I usually uh, I usually agree with him. So um, that's why I usually walk, try to catch Saban whenever I can. But uh, Nick Saban didn't look like himself this week uh, no, no, at all. There's so, trouble in Tuscaloosa, and he's wearing it all over him. You know, I'm mean, yeah. not saying it, but you can just see it on his face that he's that the that revenge tour that we were expecting at the beginning of this season is not coming to fruition. <laughs> yeah, and and that's surprising because normally that happens that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, you know, um, Saban himself said they were in a rebuilding mode, and. Uh, Shoot, they almost won the, the whole ball of wax, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, had their receivers not gotten uh, 
banged up in the championship game. And, and I think that's an issue this year. Then you have that Jermaine Burton thing uh, that they're investigating for, I guess he assaulted a fan. Yeah, I saw that video clip on Twitter. It was like, hey, you got to hold your emotions in better than that. Yeah, buddy. not a not a good not a good look for the guy that uh, abandoned his former team to go to Alabama after they beat Alabama for the national championship, which never made a lot of sense to me. But uh, you know, it's it's the transfer portal era, and things like that are, are going to happen. Uh, Nana Sports chat box always a fun time uh, right here on Inside the Game across the show. Appreciate everybody in. Craiger starts it off getting close to the Aggie beatdown day. Mm-hmm. Feeling good. I mean, you know, got it. There's, there's a lot of confidence. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of confidence that Carolina, you know, but I'll say this Carolina's got to play well, I think, to win. I don't, yeah. uh, I know, I know Texas AM's a little beat up. I know Texas AM hasn't really, uh, and they played a really tough schedule. I mean, I, I think, I mean, you know, you, you you can talk about, you know, how good is Miami really? You know, how good was that Arkansas team they beat uh, when they beat them? Uh, how good is really Alabama, who they played close? But, uh, you know, I, I look at uh, the teams they've played, and since Sam Houston State in the opener, I mean, Miami and App State out of mm-hmm. conference, that's not – that, that's not a that's not a breather, right? Those those aren't two breathers right there. But of course, App beat them, uh, and then Miami lost seventeen to nine. Um, you know, A and M. You know, they probably have some, they have some, we had Jeff Tarpley on yesterday, and and he said they they have not had really more than two touchdown drives on offense in a game this year against a, an FBS opponent. That right. sounds like Carolina last year, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, and, and a lot of years, you know, and a lot of games. <laughs> Uh, for about two touchdown drives, and actually, if you think about Kentucky, Phil, let me let me, let me, let me do some math. I mean, you know, the, the first play of the game obviously was a three yard touchdown drive, so it's not like they drove the field. And then, yeah, they had two against the Wildcats. So, mm-hmm. of course, Mississippi State only had that many as well against uh, Kentucky, and we'll talk with Bratton about that too. Like, what's up? Uh, was that the one Mike Leach game every year that kind of makes you go? Hmm. The what head happened? scratcher, yeah. yeah. I mean, LSU was a head scratcher to me because I thought mm-hmm. at the time and really throughout the year, Mississippi State's been better than LSU, but they've historically just struggled so much down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when Dak Prescott went down there and they beat him finally. It was like in 2014, it was like, wow, you know, Mississippi State won in Baton Rouge. So mm-hmm. um, not an easy place to play down there, unless you're Tennessee and you got a noon kickoff or 11 a.m. Central and then you're gonna roll them up pretty good, huh? <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I think you know, out, outside of Baton Rouge, we're all kind of impressed with what Brian Kelly's putting together down there this year. It, it yeah. seems to be getting better and better each week. Um, you know, Tennessee notwithstanding. But I don't know if anybody really expected Tennessee to be as good as they are at this yeah. point. You know, I mean, they really have been good. I, I'm I'm at the point where I'm ready to admit that that Tennessee's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clint says. Um, I got a good poll question for you, JC. Uh, and this may end up in the official poll. The official poll today is just the over and under for the game because I think that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the latest sports book, Caesars, I think has it at 45 and a half when I checked this morning. Obviously, we know that that changes and could change. Uh, but I think it's, it's an interesting question, 45 and a half. So it'll be a, if you're 24-21, it's going under. If you're 27-24, which is I think what Sawyer's prediction was, uh, earlier this week, saw your next during the mental edge. Yep. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think I mean, that's obviously over. So it's kind of an interesting score to kind of look at. And when you look at the Aggies and Gamecocks, 
you know, at least since the, the beatdowns from Arkansas and uh, um, I don't know if Arkansas was a beatdown, but the beatdown from Georgia and the loss to Arkansas, Carolina and Texas A&M's games both have gone like that. Of course, we have a sample size of one with Carolina, a 24-14 win uh, up at the Bluegrass. But, uh, you know, A&M's games, 24-20, 23-21. Uh, they did have the outlier of Mississippi State, 42-24, 17-9, 17-14. You know, so low-scoring games are kind of um, a trademark of the Aggies. And, you know, I think the Gamecocks, you know, great if they can go out and score 30-plus Saturday night. I think they have a good shot to win. Uh, but we'll see kind of, kind of what happens. But uh, his poll question is, uh, which perfect season would you rather spoil, Tennessee's or Clemson's? I just answered yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pundit, game got pundits in the chat box. He says, UT by a mile. Jared says, tough call, choosing between two evil empires. Brian, good morning, fellas. Morning, Brian. Uh, Clemson for sure, Clint. J-Rock says, good morning, Gamecock fan. One day closer to a big Gamecock win. Gamecock fam, J-Rock media. Joey says, what's up, guys? Go Cox. J-Rock says, I'd rather ruin Clemson season, Clint. But I don't think Clemson or UT – will be perfect on the year by the time they play. I, you know, Clemson, it's it sort of, you know, they got the win at Florida State, and they sort of it sort of opened up for them. Because how hard, you know, you, you look toward the end of their schedule. You know, they got Miami, Notre Dame, Carolina at the end. Uh, going to South Bend is never something that's easy, especially that late in the year with the weather mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and, you know, but how good is Notre Dame? I mean, they – I know. I mean, they have not shown us very much this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, and how good is Miami? Not very. So, and they got to go to Death Valley, and then Carolina's, of course, got to go there. Well, my question too, JC, is how good is Syracuse? I mean, that's who they've got. I mean, I know they're ranked, but I haven't looked and I haven't watched very much Syracuse football. <laughs> I've, been, I, I've, I've been impressed with the way they've played on defense some this year, Phil. You know, because mm-hmm. you think of Dino Babers and Syracuse go fast. and yeah. You know, they, they've shut some teams down, um, including NC State last week. I think NC State lost its quarterback. Uh, and, and you know, during Dabo Sweeney and Debo Babers – Debo, Dino, Dino Babers. Babers. Debo Babers, right? Debo Babers. Dude, touchdown, Debo Babers. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that um, if you look at, like, his career at Syracuse, they've given Clemson fits at times. Uh, and scared the bejesus out of them a couple of times, you know, really. And, and and not very good Syracuse teams. They beat them up there on a Friday night uh, in 2017. Of course, uh, Clemson's quarterbacks got injured, and uh, that was Kelly Bryant. That was the Kelly Bryant year, and he got injured during the game. But they had to put somebody else in that wasn't that good. Still only lost by a field goal to the Qs. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Apparently, there's some history being made. First time in the – with the 81-year history of – I didn't know Memorial Stadium was only 81 years old. I thought – I thought that stadium been around for a little bit longer, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Um, in the 81 year history of Memorial Stadium, first time two undefeated and ranked teams have played. I think this late in the year. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that on the yeah, radio. Dabo was talking about it the other day. Um, Craig says cousin. Craig says cousin Shane is still drunk. Cousin Shane said someone went out uh, on the podcast yesterday, so he might be. <laughs> He said Tennessee's going to win out. He said A and M's going to win out. He was like, "I'm calling them, calling it right now." I know it's a hot take, but I say A and M gets their stuff together over the bye week. They did a lot of growing up in Tuscaloosa, and they're going to win out. I'm like, All right. 
I don't know. Maybe. I mean, look, I, like I said, you know, this is a, obviously A&M's a favorite Saturday night for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Carolina's got to continue to play well. They got to they got to get A-chain bottled up, you know, obviously. And then, you know, I, I think the recipe of this was similar to Kentucky. You know, yeah. no matter who you get at quarterback, Haynes, King, or, or Wagman, you know, you got to go after him. And you got to make it uncomfortable. And you got to hope their offensive line uh, – doesn't magically gel <laughs> with the guys they have out up front and that, you know, Zach Pickens and, you know, Boogie Huntley, Taka Hemingway, Gilbert Edmond, uh, and all those guys are playing really well right now that, that they go eat, right. That, that they get yeah. at. Um, Matt says, JC Phil, have you gotten a chance to see Lamont's Q and a from sec media days was just watching it was very impressed with him. Not sure how we'll be this year, but excited to find out. Yeah. And I, I think, the more people start to get to know Lamont Paris and the more media and stuff he does, because he's not, he's not a big tweeter. Uh, he just got Twitter when he came to Carolina. Um, they're working hard behind the scenes in recruiting. Uh, I think Cam Scott's on, on campus this weekend for a visit. Uh, you know, how will, how will they be this year? Well, they'll have one of the best freshmen uh, in the country and Gigi Jackson. Um, like I said before, Hayden Brown transfer from Citadel, Michi Johnson, transfer from Ohio State or two guys that have caught people's eye along with uh, incoming freshman who's actually a Frank Martin recruit, Daniel Hankins Sanford. Um, but so we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I don't uh, – uh, I, I I think their schedule in the early going uh, is good enough. Remember, Clemson is on like November 11th this year. Yeah, uh, the yeah, basketball team plays them before football. Four. Yeah. So, uh, so, hey, you, you get a win over the, the rival early on. And you could. I don't know. I need to check in, and I don't know how what Clemson basketball is supposed to project this year. I know they still got PJ Hall, I think, from Dorman, but uh, you know that kind of thing. Uh, Brian asked, "What is the traject- what, what does this mean for the trajectory of the program if they win?" Uh, and pundit answers and says, "It won't mean much for the trajectory of the program, but it will be huge for the current season and the momentum heading into some winnable games." Yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. you win this when you're five and two. You're a win away from bowl eligibility. You, you're going to probably be favored against Missouri the next weekend, and you know you get a six, so you're already bowl eligible going to Nashville, which still concerns me. You know, <laughs> uh, you're going to hear me harp on this. That that game in Nashville mm-hmm. against Vandy concerns me. Um, game. Let's hope Vandy wins their game uh, against Missouri this week. Yeah, <laughs> and that yeah, that'll be the yeah. one they jumped up and bit. <laughs> It'll probably be. I don't know. You know how it's a different. You know, Missouri and Vandy are kind of flip flop this year as to what we. You know, competitive Vanderbilt teams over the years when they've been competitive, they've had really good defense and haven't been able to score. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why that is. They, they just tend to play good defense sometimes. Going back to the Woody Wiedenhofer era, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can play good defense. Okay, so this year's Vandy team can score on most people, not everybody. Georgia, they didn't score on Georgia. But uh, no. uh, 55 nothing in that one. Um, and I think I think Bama shut them down pretty good, too. They had to play Georgia and Bama this year. Um you know, but they put a lot of points against Ole Miss up in the first half, kind of shut down in the second. Uh, then Missouri is almost like some of those old Missouri teams under Pinkle where they're 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 not as good on offense as you'd think they would be, but they got a pretty salty defense, very improved defense this year at Missouri. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they could have beaten Georgia, could have beaten Auburn. Uh, uh, who else? Was, could have beaten Florida at the Swamp. Florida, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, They've they've been in every game. It's been close, but uh, 
They just haven't fallen, you know, gotten broken through. So, which is kind of why I'm glad South Carolina hadn't played them yet because Carolina hadn't won that game very often lately. And, you know, Missouri's going to come in there fired up. But uh, so Missouri next week, you know, you have a chance to be seven and two going to the swamp. Wrap up bowl, and then you're playing for bowl positioning, and uh, then there's those chances to ruin those seasons. So that, mm-hmm. that's what this is a big game this weekend. Um, you know, that's kind of atypical for a Shane Beamer coach team, right? Uh, at home, uh, Clemson game last year, notwithstanding, at uh, you know, last year they lost what. Uh, well, I mean, at night. Sorry, at home at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> game this year was obviously at home. But, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think, uh, you know, this team could go out, they're going to go out and play pretty well. Cocky Gaming, good morning, fellow listeners of the Cocktober podcast. <laughs> Cocktober. Cocktober. All about it. All about it. We need to run the table in October. <laughs> yeah. Um, J-Rock says also a little reminder, y'all, it's a very slim chance. And would uh, require the Gamecocks to run the table from here, but there is a scenario where Carolina could win the East. It is still it is still plausible. I was thinking about that. We're going to need a lot of help from Georgia to just kind of fall apart because they're going to have to take three losses. Yeah, uh, since they've got the head to head, and we already have two. Unless they like, unless you, there's some kind of way that you're, there's a there's a free three way tie, right? Oh, uh, yeah, and then so that if everybody's one and one. Uh, but you know, sometimes that that's like the third, fourth tiebreaker on that is like athletic directors vote. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, they're not going to vote Carolina. Never, never mind. Yeah. Oh, well, that's out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're not going to vote Carolina. And so Clint says, "I hope Jaden Greathouse is paying attention to how bad Notre Dame's offense has been." Probably, but you know that was always going to be a tough pull with Greathouse. Yeah. Um, so we'll see sort of what happens there. Uh, Mark says that the Gamecocks get their first one over TAMU. A&M, do those goalposts come down? No. I hope not. And then they, they have the – they, they, they can they automatically go down. You know, they mm-hmm. have those type of goalposts. So, uh, I don't think I – don't, I don't think you tear the goalposts down if you beat this A&M team. I mean, I think it's a it, – you need to beat them at some point because um, I think they're the only team in the league Carolina has never beaten. Because the yeah. Carolina finally beat Auburn a couple of years ago as members of the SEC, uh, they've beaten Missouri. They've beaten they've beaten everybody uh, in the league at least once. LSU was a long time ago, but they, they do have a win over LSU uh, in Baton Rouge, actually. Uh, Brad Scott's mm-hmm. first year, uh, but uh, they uh, they've never beaten A and M. That's the one. And and A and M's about to rotate back off the schedule uh, here mm-hmm. when the expansion happens and all that. So you may not get a shot at them. Very often, you know, I, I think uh, I think the idea with the new scheduling is going to be you, you do see teams more frequently. So I don't think they're going completely away. But uh, you know, if you don't play them every year, you know that the bottom trophy, you know, you'd probably like to you'd probably like to get the trophy. So like I said, they probably should call up Jimbo, tell them to dust that thing off, bring it to Columbia. That's right. Yeah, bring it on down, bring it on down, because we'll be happy to keep it for a few years until we see you again. <laughs> Gregor says missing Cabo game. Only game back like a chain really hurts. We just can't replace the speed at linebacker. Green and Johnson have to play great Saturday. Yeah, Sherrod played pretty well at Kentucky. I mean, it wasn't ideal. Uh, Brad, obviously, 
you know, they use him a lot rushing the passer. Um, and it scares you because, you know, they're a little draw play or something and, and your linebacker is blitzing and he, uh, they're going to be playing the Aggie war him, you know, uh, in the, in the corner of the end zone. So uh, I agree, but, you know, Craig, this team's missed Cobb all year. Um, you know, uh, that was one of the most unfortunate. You know, I, I, I think that they miss Cobb probably more than Jordan Strong, uh, who I, you know, I think Jordan was going to have a really good year this year, and uh, that was unfortunate. But uh, Gilbert Edmonds kind of got in there and done some things. But they uh, they miss um, they miss Cobb quite a bit. And I'll say this too, you know, he- heading into this this football game, as far as health goes, Shane Beamer did give a pretty good injury report. Uh, for the Gamecocks earlier this week. Uh, Corey Rucker's not going to play the receiver, obviously. Uh, and then I think the only other one was Terrell Dawkins, who's a few weeks from getting back after injuring himself. So uh, this team's at full strength. I mean, you know, they would, people people talked about Kentucky's injuries in that game. But Carolina, they didn't really go up there with a bunch of depth at safety, you know. No. And, and, <laughs> Um, and by the way, they, they are going to be missing R.J. Roderick, who, by the way, entered the transfer portal uh, earlier this week, uh, which R.J. the best. He's played a lot of football at Carolina, a lot. Um, so he's got 34 games started. I mean, yeah, he's been here forever. But. Yeah, so that's it. Clint says, J.C. asked this yesterday. I don't know what's up here with my uh, internet. Um, J.C., I asked this yesterday, but you weren't able to get to it. What are you hearing about the chances with – uh, Khalifa Keith, Tony's update to say seems somewhat positive. Seems somewhat positive. I really like his film. Yeah, bigger back out of Alabama is committed to Kentucky right now. It's just all about him visiting. Um, and if he visits and shows interest, you know, I, I think they have, they'd have a shot to flip him. Um, but that's uh, you know that that's something that you know whenever you uh, offer a committed player. That's the key is get him on campus, you know, get him on campus, get him familiar with you because it's, it's still not easy to flip committed players. Uh, even with all the, the, the crazy drama in recruiting these days, uh, you know, you still 80% of the time remain committed. You know, this is, this is what happens. That, that's it. Uh, Gregor says who covers a chain out of the backfield on passes. Uh, maybe whoever plays nickel, but it can't be a linebacker. Uh, Matt says, anytime you send a program into turmoil, you, you do it if you can. I think Jimbo's seat is scalding hot if we beat them. Certainly helps us if we continue to play them yearly. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know. Can Rucker redshirt this year? I believe so. Uh, I, I don't think – I mean, he may have not – He may, well, the pandemic year, everybody got a free redshirt. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to look. But I, it seems like he can, especially if you can, you can get a, a medical – Medical redshirt because it's it's because he's he's had to slip because of injury mm-hmm. and he's reaggravated it. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think he's really good. I, I think you know as he as he talked about, uh, he's out of shape a little bit because of the injury and stuff. Uh, and that was those were his words. You know, after the Charlotte game, and uh, you know, I think that when you look at you know you got Brooks and you got Bell and you got uh, Amari Brown's playing well. Josh Van caught a couple of passes against uh, Kentucky. Uh, Jaheim Bell, Juice Wells, uh, you know, those guys, uh, I think uh, I think you're fine. You know, you always want depth and always want playmakers, but, you know, you probably could use Corey Rucker next season, you know, when some of these receivers uh, move on. So, uh, Sean says, what do y'all think about RJ leaving again? I, I just, you know, when somebody leaves, 
uh, a program after he's been there a while, you know, you, you always just kind of wish him the best and move on. Uh, I don't know because he, he also was kind of struggling with injuries, right, this year. And, and he's, he's been banged up a lot during his career. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I don't know how much he was going to play, you know, especially when you consider they moved Spalding to safety uh, against uh, – or played Spalding. And this has been kind of in the works the whole time, but they played Spalding at safety against Kentucky – uh, and it worked out pretty well, right? <laughs> right, yeah. And the emergence of Eamon Worry, I mean, yeah, it's just kind of the perfect storm for RJ, especially with him only playing in three games. Yeah, D.J. Smith, uh, I think, led the team at tackles up there. So, you know, the young guys are coming on at that position. Devontae Reed's back, too. So, I, I think uh, – um, I don't I don't know how much they, they're going to miss uh, RJ from a playing time perspective. Of course, you know, you go out there, three or four, two or three people get hurt. Right. <laughs> you got, uh, you know, you, you may be singing a different tune. Uh, Matt says, same with Sun, Sunbelt Billy later in the year and Darth Vader out in Como. <laughs> yeah. Love to love um, to beat both of those guys too. We just want to just win them all, just win the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, there, there's been some drink what's on the hot seat talk. And I, I don't understand it because he's only been there. It's only his third year. Uh, yeah. and, and he seems like he's recruiting well. And uh, all that good stuff. So, I think it's just because his classes, JC, aren't ranking that well. Like his recruiting classes are not ranking very well. Like I think even Vanderbilt is tracking ahead of them uh, <laughs> in the league. Yeah. yeah. At mm-hmm. this point, and last year they got the Burden kid. And I don't know if they've used him that well and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, and, and Drinkless's offense is, is pretty unique. It's uh, you want to talk about dink and dunk and short passes and things like that. That's kind of what they do. Yeah, uh, never, never, though. Never, yeah, they will kill you with it. And, I mean, at NC State, he did the same thing. Uh, App State did the same thing. Uh, so, right there. Hutch says, JC, if we offer Lenore Sellers, do we even think about taking two quarterbacks in 2024? I don't know that they're going to offer Sellers. Uh, like, I'm on team Sellers. Uh, I like him. I think, you know, he's a guy that could end up leaving the state and everybody's going, wow, this guy's winning and all, he really good and all that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I think at quarterback, you know, South Carolina has been pretty uh, fortunate because they haven't had a lot of attrition there. But I can't imagine this offseason there's not going to be uh, a quarterback leave. I'm not going to speculate as to who may do that because um, there's a lot of variables. But uh, I think you could definitely, definitely see that. Uh, Joey says Jaden Bradford's also visiting this weekend, and I like Bradford. I think I think Jaden's a good player. Um, you, you take him and Dante Reno. I think if uh, if you can, if you have the overall space. So uh, as far as the twenty twenty four quarterback recruiting cycle, uh, I think a lot is going to depend on like the current guys and if, how much attrition there is and, and things like that. But you know, Bradford's another one, uh, in state guy. You know, Chapin. He was at Chapin before IMG and. You don't want you know you don't want those types of guys to leave the state if you think they can be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see sort of what happens there. Okay. All right. One of our biggest cheerleaders will be in town though, because Pup Howard's also going to be here this weekend. Yeah, Pup <laughs> yeah. coming into town this weekend to, to to visit the Gamecocks and do some recruiting work of his own. So mm-hmm. uh, that's it. John says uh, pops in the it says greetings crew. We'll listen in on my way to work from here on out. Thank well, you. Thanks, John. John. He's part of the Pacific Northwest Posse. 
You know, he and Xavier and some other guys are all up there in Seattle, the, the, the state of Washington, if you will. Right. All right, so we got to get to the state of a commercial break right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. A high-energy Chris Phillips coming up from the Spurs Up show. Uh, on the other side of this, don't forget, SEC Mike, Michael Bratton at the top of the hour uh, as a Thursday episode rolls on right here on the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good name. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking... If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Family family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me 
and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks is brought to you by Manscaped. Don't forget, use the code BIGSPUR for 20% off at manscaped.com. Also, uh, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate for all your upstate residential real estate needs. Get in touch with Cindy, 864-414-5271. And, of course, we are joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line for our weekly chat with Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show. Chris, uh, we're kind of noticing some increased confidence and uh, <laughs> excitement heading into Saturday. Are, are you kind of feeling the same thing? It's getting a bit palpable. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil, JC. Appreciate you guys having me on first things first. And uh, yeah, you can certainly feel it. And uh, it may even I'm going to save I'm going to go ahead and get it out there. I'm going to save my prediction and everything for tomorrow. Obviously, I'll drop that on the <laughs> podcast and social media tomorrow. But uh, yeah, man, it's just another huge opportunity, right? We all know the streak with Texas A&M and the, the negative trends, if you will. But yes, yeah, certainly, man, coming off the Kentucky win and you go into the bye week having something to feel good about now. I mean, I think you just look at this game and you look at the statistics and you look at Texas A&M and, and uh, it, it's a gettable game, man. And, I, and I've said it all week that, you know, I, 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 it just it feels like a game you should win. I'll, I'll be honest. When you, I feel like when you get an opponent on your home field under the lights, you know, it used to be, again, opponents feared coming to williams Bryce Stadium. And, you know, I recall – uh, a time not too long ago, back in 2012, 2013, we'd show up to the ballpark and just we, – we didn't we didn't question are we going to win. It was how much are we going to win by, right? We knew we were going to win. So, um, it's got the feeling of one of those games, man. Like I said, just everything is set. The stage is set for South Carolina uh, to have a really fun night and move to 5-2, and two, which, which sounds crazy and feels crazy to say even, but uh, – it's very doable. I think this Texas A&M game is very gettable. So I, I think Gamecock fans have a reason to be excited and be confident going into this one. Chris, uh, for the second straight game, uh, South Carolina's facing uh, what is sort of a – I don't know. We, we had Jeff Tarpley from uh, Giggum 247 uh, on uh, earlier this week, and their offensive line uh, has some issues. Uh, and they haven't been – what I would call great this year to begin with. It's not as good as some of the Texas A&M offensive lines uh, that we've seen in the past. So it's similar to Kentucky in that I think, uh, you know, Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, uh, Gilbert Edmond, uh, dare I say Taka Hemingway, because uh, he, he's, he's playing pretty good football right now, Boogie Huntley. 
uh, those guys have a chance to go in and I think have a, another good performance uh, trying to kind of get back to that standard uh, that's been set around here on the defensive line. Yeah, it, it's scary, JC, how many similarities I feel are between this game and the Kentucky game. I mean, when you look mm-hmm. at Texas a and I know they have more talent top to bottom, but the statistics, the numbers, the negative trends or streaks, whatever, it, it all feels – I mean, outside of the game not being on the road, the feeling I have right now going into this one feels very similar to what I felt two weeks ago at this time uh, going in the Kentucky game. But certainly it's a great opportunity for, like you mentioned, the guys up front to have a big night. You look at the quarterback position for them – um, again, it's very similar to the Kentucky game where you're going to be facing, no matter what, it's a backup, right? Because Max Johnson started the year for A&M. Haynes King comes in. Is he ready to go? Is he 100%? Who knows? Uh, it's an A&M team that's going to lean on the run game at A-chain, and that's going to be the big deal. If you can stop the run, you can stop Texas A&M, and they haven't been explosive all season long. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – we loved what we saw in Lexington, obviously, again, especially from the guys like Pickens and Birch, these dudes that we have these really high standards for. Tonka Hemingway is playing out of his mind right now. And then you got other guys like Barrett and Sanders there as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a huge opportunity for those guys to have a big night to create havoc in the backfield. And if they do so, I think you're going to have a lot of success. Uh, again, it's not a Texas A&M team that's been explosive at any point this season, which is surprising, I think, in Jimbo Fisher and the struggles they've had at quarterback. But, uh, you know, when you smell blood in the water, take advantage of it. I think they'll have a chance to do that uh, on Saturday night. Kick off 7.30 p.m. SEC Network under the lights at williams Bryce, And, uh, you know, look – be honest, uh, you know, the Clemson game last year was obviously a massive disappointment because um, I thought I was watching the same game I'd watched the last, you know, two other times they come to Williams Bryce and there's a different coaching staff. But uh, that but that game aside, Shane Beamer at South Carolina in night games, and this is this is the kind of a reversal of a trend, Chris, because I didn't think Wilt Muschamp's teams ever played well at night. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, I'd like to see the nighttime record. Uh, under him uh my theory was players were tired you know because mm. uh, i think they, they they practiced really really hard when he was here um but shane beamer uh, at night games and, and you know there, there's been some games uh eastern illinois south carolina state charlotte obviously at night that, that were pretty easy wins but uh night games you know with the exception of that clemson game the, the only other loss at home has been uh, to kentucky last year and i think anybody would tell you that the gamecocks probably thought they slipped that one slipped away from them a little bit so uh, this this program has all of a sudden started being better performance wise. We we know the atmosphere is always there, but performance wise, yeah. at home at night, and it should. I mean, listen, you what you're four and zero in night games this year, but I mean, it, it it should, man. I mean, it feels like no dub, but it's it's funny. You're right. You know, I, I feel like we go into games like this, and I have to stop myself from uh, allowing my mind to creep into the negative thinking because you know of the previous regime and previous era, like you mentioned. It felt like the bigger the game, the worse we played. I mean, really, just it's like you know we we we'd have these moments, right, where it's like we'd get all we, we you know we'd get excited and we'd pack out the stadium and we'd sell it out just to be disappointed. So you know, I think unfairly a little bit Shane Beamer and his staff and his football team and now his program are are they're they're unfairly labeled as oh my god that's going to happen again. But again, we're like the jaded ex, right? We've just been through it so many times and time and time again. And now we're in a healthy relationship and we don't know how to act. So um, <laughs> no, I mean, really, truly, truly. I mean it's but but you Perfect. that's what I'm saying. It's like you should be confident. I mean it's in any other scenario if you if you take away the past and you look at this game and you think okay it's a very evenly matched game. You look at the spread that reflects that as well. Normally, you would give the edge to the team at home at night on their field, right? And 
you know, I, I think Gamecock fans are just hesitant to do that because we've seen this story before and the ship still sinks and we've had the rug pulled out from under us. But, yeah, realistically, I mean, this football team, this coaching staff, this fan base should feel confident about it. You should feel good uh, about your odds playing at home, especially at night. It'll be probably a sold-out house. I know it's fair weekend, but that's not going to deter anybody from coming to the game. So, yeah, I mean, I think folks should be confident, no doubt. And, again, Texas A&M, it's not like you're playing Georgia, right? Like, it, it's a very gettable opponent. Know they're talented, but they've had their struggles. So, I'm excited for this one, man. And, of course, like you mentioned, the, the atmosphere will be there. And I, I tend to think the performance will be there as well. I mean, especially when you look at what you did – at Kentucky, right, in Lexington. If you can play well on the road like that, I feel very confident that you can come home and play well against, again, a very beatable Texas A&M team. Mm -hmm. Talking with Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show. Uh, some of our chat boxers here. By the way, somebody just compared you to Jolt, Jolt Cola. You, you remember that stuff? I, I, don't, I don't know who that is, to be honest. Yeah, you know, Jolt, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually – it was a is a is a cola. It was a Coca Cola, like back mm. in the eighties. It's called Jolt, and it was all the sugar and twice the caffeine. So yeah, <laughs> uh, we build we, we this segment as a high energy segment, Chris, and that you always bring it. So I always try to bring the heat. So yeah, yeah. that's the deal there. <laughs> um, you know, De Devin at a, a chain. I I love yeah. him. I think he's an excellent explosive player. I love running backs that have the ability to kind of take it to the house uh, at any point. Uh, I like his balance, vision, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, Chris Rodriguez is a good back too. Gamecocks had a lot better success in the second half against him at Kentucky last week, and then he went off completely against Mississippi State the next week. So he's yeah. he's getting lathered up a little bit. But I, I I think that you know if if a chain gets going, that could be very problematic because I think yeah. you know if they're able to run the ball, he's he's going off. Uh, that's going to give uh, a, probably an offensive unit with not a lot of confidence. I mean they've. They've had no more than two touchdown drives on offense this year, hmm. right? In a game, besides since Sam Houston State, uh, but but I think that's someone that matchup wise with Carolina's linebackers and and, and still young but talented safeties uh, that could be problematic Saturday night. Yeah, I like A-Chain as a player, too, by the way, J.C., a guy that runs tough, runs physical, but, again, can break it open at any point. Um, I, I Sort of like Rodriguez, I mean, I, I look at A-Chain, I think he's going to get his. you just got to limit him and not let him go off and run at will, right? I think, uh, you know, being good in the red zone, I think winning on first down, getting A&M obviously in third and longs and making whoever's under center make plays, you know, run the football, stop the run. And I know people say that's so cliche. Well, it's a cliche for a reason. Right, because on a weekend, week out basis, that's the difference between winning and losing in the SEC. I'd be willing to say right now because I can't wait to watch. I'll tell you one of my key matchups for the game on Saturday, and it's kind of a no dub. But Marshawn Lloyd against A Chain, I just think watching those two guys run the football, I think the running game is going to be at a premium. And, I, and I'm willing to say whoever runs for more yards is going to win the game. I mean, I, I think that's pretty, you know, I, I think that's pretty pretty easy. You know, just like in Kentucky, I just think if you're able to dominate the line of scrimmage or at least win more than you lose up front you're able to win in the red zone and and obviously there's other factors but uh you know i i think that's going to be at the premium in this game it's one of the reasons i picked the under in the ball game i think the running game is going to be the focus for both sides uh you know because if you're able to get texas a&m in those third and longs then you have guys like birch like the pickens like the tonkas gilbert edmund who by the way leads this team and tackles for loss i thought that was an incredible stat when i was looking back at the first half of the season he's played really really good football uh, those guys are able to pin their ears back, right, and, and create havoc. And you've, you've already got eight interceptions on the season. So, or, uh, yeah, eight or nine, I believe. So, 
uh, you know, create some big plays that way. But A-Chain, definitely a guy. I mean, again, he's going to get his. You've just got to limit him. Don't let him get the explosives. I thought that's what they did against Rodriguez. I mean, you look at his final numbers. He still ran the ball fairly well, but it just wasn't his typical night, like you mentioned, against Mississippi State. So uh, just can't let him gash you. That's the big thing. As long as you do that, I think you'll be able to hold that A&M offense in check. Yeah, I think I think their injuries up front too. I mean, you know, you, you still no matter how good your back is, you still have to block. And, and I think one of the big differences for Marshawn Lloyd the last three weeks for Carolina is he's getting the blocking. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's not yeah. now. There's some things he does on his own, like on the 45 yard run the other night, he broke a tackle, shot through the hole, whatever. Um, you mentioned I mean, I mean it's like like you said, not to cut you all, but at some point you can't block them all, right? So you you got to yeah. have a running back that can make a guy miss. If you can yeah. never make a guy miss, you're just not going to have a lot of success, and that's what separates the the good ones or the average ones from the good ones from the great ones, right? Like yeah. a guy like Marcus Lattimore, he didn't need a whole lot of help, right? There's some guys that need more help than others. Also on the defensive side, I just want to mention Sherrod Green. I'm excited to watch, man. I, I think he's second on the team in tackles. Feel like he's really coming to his own last couple of games, and he's fully healthy. And uh, was a guy we've been depending on, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, we needed to depend on. Obviously, as a veteran leader. So, like you mentioned, the linebacker play against A chain going to be going to be pivotal in this one. Not with the Chris Phillips Spurs up show, I agree on Green, and uh, you know, it's kind of gotten. I guess you could say he's gotten his sea legs under him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, game guy eight six four in the chat box says Texas A and M is one and four in their last five games on the road. That's true, and they've lost um, in true road games. They've lost four straight in the SEC. Yeah. So they have uh, they have not been road warriors uh, in yeah. College Station. They did win that game against Arkansas, that was at Jerry World in Dallas. But uh, mm. you know, in South Carolina seven and two uh, straight up in their last nine home games. Only two yeah. losses: Clemson and uh, Georgia. Well, and and you love to and you love to hear that, man, because it's it's you know as we talk, Shane Beamer, this is his program now. He's differentiating himself from the previous regime or what have you, and and I think winning at home, winning at Williams Bryce Stadium, is something that needs to become a staple once again for this program, right? Because like I mentioned, you know Willie B. I mean, there, there's plenty of great venues in the SEC, and I mean we just saw Neyland last weekend of how electric that was, but Williams Bryce Stadium when the Gamecocks are. I'm not even going to say they don't have to be elite. When the Gamecocks are good, when they're quality, I mean, it's one of the best environments in all of college football. I mean, it is. So South Carolina mm -hmm. fans will show up, show out, be loud. Sandstorm will be crazy. Uh, you know, everybody's going to have all day long to get lubed up and get liquored up and, and bring the heat. So the fans are going to do their part. I, I think most certainly um, I think you're going to feel the impact of the crowd on Saturday night. Yeah, should be loud. And uh, <clears throat> I'd be I, I, I'm expecting – uh, and, and I have no inside information on this, but I'm expecting uh, them to announce a sellout probably today yeah. is yeah. my guess. I would it, think so also. You would yeah. think it would sell out. And I've, uh, I've certainly uh, – there hadn't been a lack of interest on tickets this week at all. Uh, Jeffrey chimes in. He says, Chris is the GOAT. We tend to agree <laughs> around here. Uh, and then says, Carolina's going to beat Tennessee. So, there you go. How about that? Hey, I um, love it. You never. Hey, that that might be another night game at Willie B. So you never know. You never that know. could be. Yeah, Carolina keeps winning. Tennessee I mean, yeah. Game day could be there. You know, that yeah. We be. were speculating game day might come yeah, there. We already a, on that one. Uh, yeah. A massive showdown. Yeah, because if you win this one, you should be seven and two, right? I mean, you should. You should. I mean, let's. You know, should. It's the SEC. It's crazy. It's topsy turvy. But you know, the potential at least is there. So. Yeah. Um, you know, people have been telling me, well, they'll be the they'll be the worst seven and two team in the country. It's like I don't I don't care if they beat AM three to two, you know, just win. <laughs> Al Davis said it best, right? Just win, baby, win. 
Just win. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, you know, I mean, you start collecting those wins, though. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you would have beaten a top 20 team on the road. You've beaten A&M for the first time ever. Missouri's been competitive against everybody. Uh, Vandy built some road games. So you'd be seven and two. Yeah, people. Yeah. I don't, I don't They're all quality in the SEC, man. Yeah, there's people, no bad wins in SEC play. There's no doubt about it. People, people tend to want to, like, not let go of the Arkansas and Georgia game. People, people need yeah. to let that go. That was last month, right? Yeah. Football teams either get worse or better. As the look, year at Georgia, look at Georgia State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, one, that one pretty. At all. At all. Um, so, uh, you know, so so that's that's the deal there. Well, um, you know, I, I, I start thinking about the secondary and their quarterback play at A&M. And one thing that also concerns me is whether you're dealing with Haynes King or Weidman, Weidman, I think that's how you say, they both can run a little bit, right? They're both yeah. little, little dual threat guys and get out of the pocket. They can get 8, 10, 15 yards. Uh, I, I think that's a little bit different than what Kentucky maybe was able to do with their guy, although I didn't think he was a statue back there. But uh, uh, quarterback run game, I, I think Carolina's got to make sure that they are, they are on top of that and don't give up any kind of cheap things where, you know, you pressure him, uh, the play's looking promising. It breaks down, and, and he's he's taken off for about – no matter who, who it is, he's taken off for 10 or 11 yards. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that burn Carolina before for sure, and we, we've seen it this season even. Uh, yeah, you got to play discipline ball on the edges. Obviously, guys like, again, Birch, Edmund, um, you know, guys – everybody up front just got to play well, linebacker play as well. So, um, again, I think it's about winning the early downs, winning first and second down, get them in those third and longs, make it those obvious passing situations. But certainly it's something they're going to have to account for. I trust the secondary to play well. You know, Darius Rush returning in that Kentucky game, I thought he played fantastic, was one of sort of the the unsung heroes of that game, if you will. Uh, I know R.J. Roderick has obviously entered the portal, but I think you're set at safety. I know you're kind of thin there, but I like your starting two guys, Imawari and Reed. So I think overall the set, you know, the secondary with uh, with Dial as well and Spalding, uh, also some young guys there that are helping you. So, uh I mean, I, I I think the quarterback run game will be something like you mentioned, very intriguing. Watch how much do they use it. Um, the quarterback position as a whole, man, for A&M, one of the big storylines. That's that's sort of a secret. That's sort of a mystery. And my goodness, it'll be wild if the Gamecocks, you know, let's say that Haynes King can't go. It'll just be crazy how in back-to-back games you'll be seeing uh, truly the backup. Now QB3 for A&M. But, uh, no, definitely got to watch that. No doubt. No doubt. It could be a long night, you know, if you're letting them run wild. And that's certainly – we've seen it before. Like I said, that's the last thing uh, that you want to happen. So, it's all about just taking facets of their game away. Uh, I think you feel confident that in the passing game, A&M's not really going to be able – they're not explosive. Like, we've seen it all year long. I, I was going to say the good news about this game is this. You know, South Carolina has struggled with these slow starts in basically every game this season. The good news is I don't think, similar to Kentucky, I, I don't think A&M is going to be a team that's explosive enough to really make you pay for it. Like, I don't think this is going to be an Arkansas situation where you're down 21-3 to and you're trying to climb back in the game the entire second half. I, I just even – I think even if you get off to that slower start – and also, too, though, let's give credit. I think South Carolina's defense, maybe they're hitting their stride, right? We've been talking about the, the offense all week in the second half. Was that the light bulb moment for the Gamecocks? Maybe that was the light bulb moment for the defense where they really go from just kind of being there to being above average and being kind of more of what we saw than be all last year. So, But quarterback run game, J.C., to your point, definitely a big deal. Got to play disciplined ball on the edges, and when they keep it, make them pay for it. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, uh, from the Spurs Up show, uh, <clears throat> looking forward to talking to you later uh, on the show. 
uh, on your show, uh, and that'll be at one fifteen, folks. So, mm-hmm. so join us over there. Uh, I know you got your prediction coming tomorrow. Uh, any final thoughts uh, about this game Saturday night? I'll just say this: fans should be excited. I'm excited. Um, you know, and I, I'm going to sound like a broken record when it comes to Spencer Rattler, but the stage is set, man. I, you know, I, I talked about it all summer long that I felt like seven was going to have a game at some point this season where. After the fact, you looked at it and said, you know, he kind of put the team on his back, put the team on his right shoulder, if you will. And I I don't think he's going to have to do that, thankfully, because, you know, you found something in the running game with Marshawn Lloyd. And I expect, you know, it better be heavy dose to Marshawn Lloyd, because I think at this point the offense needs to revolve around him. But, um, you know, I I think, again, it's it's cliche-ish, if you will, but the team that protects the football and makes fewer mistakes is going to win this game. Also, I think really interesting, both of these teams are really good on special teams. The matchup between Pete Limbo and Jeff Banks, the special teams coordinator for Texas A&M, this is one of those games, man, a blocked punt changes the entire outlook of it. I mean, we literally saw it two weeks ago. So um, the Gamecocks lead the country in blocked punts. You know, it's not something that's sexy or flashy to talk about going into the ball game. But, I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it's certainly not bold to say if the Gamecocks block a punt on Saturday night, they're going to win this football game. So – uh, that matchup between these two special teams coaches, it's a great opportunity again, man. I would say this, um, go into the game on Saturday night and try your hardest not to allow, because I did this going to Kentucky, try your hardest to at least not to allow the, the the streak or the negative trends or what have you to affect your outlook on this individual ball game. South Carolina is not playing the A&M logo. They're not playing an 0-8 record against A&M. This is the 2022 Gamecocks against the 2022 Aggies. We'll see what happens, but, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. All right, Chris, thanks so much, man. I'll I'll holler at you really soon. I appreciate it. You always bring it, and uh, we love having you here. Thanks. J.C., Phil, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, J.C. All right, bud. Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show, Jolt Cola. Man, I feel old because, I mean, maybe I I, I didn't – not a lot of people know about Jolt Cola. I know. I remember it. All the sugar and twice the caffeine. Now they have all those energy drinks with not just caffeine, but all those crazy, (laughs) the taurine and all those eans that you don't want to put in your body. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't do the energy drink thing now. The fiance does. She drinks monsters every day, but I, uh, I sort of had a bad experience at a bachelor party. Oh five, with uh, some vodka and Red Bull. And so I can't even smell it. I mean, I, the, the energy mm-hmm. drinks made me like, uh, oh, and I'll drink coffee or, or Coke Zero or Cherry. Cherry Coke Zero is actually my favorite. So oh. I, I do like that. Um, Austin says uh, he thinks Jaheim Bell gets utilized like we thought he would all year Saturday. 160 yards, two touchdowns. It takes Sat an extra week of prep to remember he is on the team. <laughs> uh, Horny Goatweed is uh, Matt's favorite. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, Easy E says drinking a monster right now. Ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, Craig, Craig chimes in with the advice. Those energy drinks are so bad for you. Yeah. I, I drink black. I, I'm like weird. I, I drink black coffee. Um, I used to love I mean, iced tea, you know. Unsweet, mm-hmm. not, I, I quit drinking sweet tea 20 years ago, too, but I, I drink unsweet. I like it, but you just can't get it good iced tea up here. Like, that they brew, you know, you have to go to like a McDonald's or something where it's like standard, you know, and the rest of us, they love, they love this Lipton crap that you get out of the dang 
the, the Coke. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. The Coke machine. Like, oh, I can't that. stand the freestyle Coke machine anyway. Cause you're tasting whatever flavor the last person had in their drink. Yeah. You can't even get a good Coca-Cola out of the yeah. damn thing anymore. Agreed. Brother. And you have these people that like put everything in it and stuff, you know, there's a meme. It's like McDonald's McDonald's is going to learn today. And this lady's like putting, uh, he says cocky top USC, uh, cocky top, cocky top USC. Uh, Jared says death to freestyle. Amen, brother. <laughs> yes, that's it. All good. Only two a week trying to limit them easy. He says, J-Rock says he doesn't do energy drinks. I'm uh, going to check in here real quick with our poll. Because um, I think the over under feels very interesting. Four and a half. I think that's uh, that is a, a very interesting uh, over under because it's like you know you, you think well that's a little low it'll probably go over but you also uh also uh maybe not i don't know where my poll went on. Oh, you know, it sounds like they're accounting a little bit for the question at quarterback on one side and then the uh but you know just we're not that explosive on offense I mean, yeah. against power five teams let's just put it the way it is so maybe we can write that ship as well I think so, you know, and I, I think as far as like in the second half of the night, the explosive plays, yeah, uh, yeah, they yeah. had, they, they got them. And then, you know, that's kind of what this offense does is, uh, you know, I think they're better at making some big explosive plays and, and, and getting points that way and drives that way than just lining up and methodically driving it down the field. But, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I thought those came to second half, but explosive offense, no. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking mm-hmm. – you know, you're not. This is not an offense that's proven to be able to go out uh, against SEC competition so far this year. Just go up and down the field. But uh, I do think, you know, when you got the 115th ranked run defense coming in here, and uh, the key to the last three games has been you've been running the ball well uh, with a really good back. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, that's a that's a matchup opportunity. I think for the so not a lot of faith in the uh, in the over so far. 60.8% on the big spur. It says under, over at 39. Uh, checking in on Twitter here and seeing uh, what we got here. Uh, can't find it. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I got to pull up the thing here. Um, a lot of activity pushing it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of activity pushing us down. Uh, here we go. Oh, it's uh, well it's about the same. 62% says under. Thirty-seven percent is over, so that's um, that's the deal there, uh, right here uh, on our daily poll question. We'll talk to Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast after these messages coming up, and uh, we'll be right back. Looking forward to the conversation as we roll on on a Thursday, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the Upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. 
Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die. Our Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey, man. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? 1001 is Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you are now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody. Well, at least with Phil and Michael Bratton. Here comes JC. <laughs> but, uh, that's all right. 
That's all right. Second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. Everybody, don't give Adam or Derek a call or shoot them an email at a Burgesson, B E R G E S O N, at Remax.net for all your commercial real estate needs. And of course, we are joined by Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast, or also known as SEC Mike, uh, also known as the guy who's having a really great week with his team this week and his cousin Shane. Are y'all uh, y'all starting to hydrate again here, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> big win. It's funny you say that. I was going to let you guys know I'm still a little hungover from Saturday. So <laughs> I imagine so, man. I imagine Thursday. so. So, uh, well, Mike, uh, certainly uh, the big, a huge win in Knoxville for Tennessee. And, uh, you know, just watching them right now on both sides of the ball, it's, uh, you know, they're the 10th and run defense right now. Uh, I think their defensive coaches are doing a great job taking a lot of chances. Uh, because it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they're run blitz and they're blitz and they're hitting quarterbacks. They blew up LSU's offense the whole day in Baton Rouge. Uh, and I think that's probably a function of their offense just being so good. I mean, because they, they know they're going to get it back and score. Hooker's extremely accurate. I mean, probably one of the more accurate quarterbacks I've seen. Um, doing all this without Cedric Tillman, it seems like they have a starter that uh, goes out on defense every week. Uh, yet Tennessee's kind of the top college football right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, uh, you know, what you hear out of that building is confidence. That's that's the key word. And it's, you know, it's not just, like you said, with the offense when they got the ball, confidence that they're going to score, but uh, it's 16 seconds left in the game. You know, you got to go 40, 45 yards to get in manageable field goal range. No hesitation. Go for two when you need to. No hesitation. Josh Heupel, even late in that game, um, you know, he they they came up short on a couple fourth downs, but it wasn't. You know, that's the end of the game. We we'll just we we'll just go right back next time. And you know, there's there's a danger to doing that. Obviously, they cracked the door open for Alabama to to come back and potentially win the game had they, had their kicker been able to make a field goal. But that's the way Tennessee's got to play when they're playing a team like Alabama and when they play Georgia here in a couple weeks. You cannot be conservative in college football. I. <laughs> That's why I'm Will Muschamp ain't a coach anymore. I don't want to bring up bad memories, but guys like that will just never succeed unless uh, you know unless they've got Georgia's talent to work with. So you know, Josh Heupel credit him. He should be SEC Coach of the Year up to this point, and I think even if they drop a game in Athens, he should still be SEC Coach of the Year. I certainly I'm a Tennessee grad, and I didn't see this run coming. Mike Bratton, that SEC podcast. So we have to check in on Cousin Shane, obviously, specifically, and ask how he's doing. I, I know uh, he's a legend. I know he doesn't do any outside media, but your podcast, and that's fine. Uh, but uh, we do care about Cousin Shane here and want to make sure he is uh, not only alive, but thriving and happy. And uh, he's not uh, somewhere in Knoxville passed out, you know, next to a, a broken down tailgate or something. No, quite the opposite, J.C. He made a vow leading up to that game. He said if Tennessee does the unthinkable, beats Alabama, he's going to start exercising again. So if he's not working, he's not recording a podcast, he's out there hitting the trails. He's He's been walking an hour a day to get into shape. Tennessee did their part, so he's doing it for them. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that man, he was – he was on another level. I've never seen anything quite like it. If you, if anybody missed it on our YouTube channel, we've got a live video of Cousin Shane for about eight minutes. He dropped about twenty f bombs, but he had, he apologized for every one of them. He was just he was a he was elated. 
Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I laughed my ass off listening to that the other day. <laughs> yeah. That immediate reaction to the win. Although I will take some umbrage with what uh, Cousin Shane said on the pod yesterday, Mike, and that he feels like A&M is going to win out this year. And uh, we feel like we're going to step on him this weekend. Yeah, he is. All year he has been. Of course, he's got to back up that, you know, first in the West prediction for SEC media days. (laughs) I I think that's where he's coming from right there. Because, yeah, yeah, based on what I've seen from A&M, man, I don't know. They'll be – they play UMass. I'll give them UMass. uh, But that may be the only guaranteed win I give them on their schedule. Mm -hmm. They played South Carolina this weekend, 7.30 p.m. kickoff in Columbia, night game. You know, their offensive line, we had an A&M insider on earlier this week. It's banged up. They don't know who's going to play quarterback. Offense has been very pedestrian this year. They're 115th in run defense. You know, I think scoring defense are pretty good. And, and, you know, obviously uh, South Carolina can't turn it over like Alabama did four times against the Aggies in this one Saturday night. But – uh, it does look uh, like this is a game South Carolina, if they go out there and continue to play like they did against Kentucky on both sides, especially the second half on offense, I think South Carolina could snap the streak and win the bottom trophy. Did you know there was a trophy for this game, SEC Mark? I did, yeah. I, we were trying to figure out who in the heck – is that the uh, the drummer from Led Zeppelin? We don't know. John Bonham Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't understand the origins of it, but that that is something that we've discussed before. But, yeah, pedestrian, that's the kindest thing you could say about A&M this season. I mean, uh, I, I had Paul Feinbaum cracking up. I got to talk to him leading up to that Tennessee-Alabama game. I said, you know, the best win Jimbo's going to get this year is a four-point loss to Alabama. And, I mean, that sums it up for the, the $95 million man. How about you talk about their, their defense, 14th in scoring offense in the SEC, 12th in passing efficiency, 12th in rushing, 14th in scoring touchdowns. I mean, they're just god-awful. And that's his baby. That's his side of the ball. There's no more excuses. This is year five. This is his roster. These are his quarterbacks. I just – I was rolling when he said, well, Haynes King, he's our backup, and and he's given us all this glory against Alabama. Well, that's not your backup. That's a guy you've been rolling with for two years that that you've anointed as the next Johnny Manziel. So, yeah, I mean, this is a must, must, must win for Jimbo – and A&M, if they're going to have, you know, even an eight and four record at this point in time, which is not the standard for the roster that they have. And I've been told, JC, I don't know if you're hearing anything quite like this, but if A&M loses to South Carolina, with all due respect, they don't they don't have business losing to South Carolina with the roster they have. But the way they're playing, I think they certainly South Carolina could do it. But if A&M loses this game, I think. I've been told it's going to start the wheels in motion to get Jimbo out of there. Wow. Now, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to fire him on Sunday or anything, but I think as it was relayed to me, that means they're going to start going around and seeing, you know, who's willing to contribute to get this guy out of here because, I mean, it's, it's, it's borderline a disaster there. It has not been pretty. Uh, and, and I think that uh, when we talked to Tarpley earlier this week, though, he, he focused a lot on the injuries. Um, and Jimbo said something interesting, and, and I kind of thought about this, too, with, with regards to their run D. Uh, and, and like I said, look, statistically, they're not good against the run. I mean, even Mississippi State ran for 161 on them. Um, but they are keeping – teams aren't scoring a whole lot on, on A&M either. So uh, I guess that's kind of the name of the game. Uh, but he was, uh, Jimbo was talking earlier this week about his run defense, and 
you know, they recruited a lot of five-star talent uh, up front on defense, but it's still young. And he said, it's not really athletic. He said, these guys, they're, they're young, so they make mistakes. They, they, in other words, they don't do the, the gap control, that kind of thing. And that's made them susceptible. Um, so uh, do you think that, you know, in, in College Station, you know, I guess based on what you're hearing, the answer is probably no. Uh, but that, uh, you know, maybe it'll be kind of a, a mulligan this year. I mean, uh, I think you make great points about it being year five. Uh, I think you make great points about Haynes King because, you know, Haynes was starting last year before he got hurt. You know, so he's been Jimbo's guy for a couple of years. But uh, you, 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 do you, so the other mitigating circumstances, they, they, you, you think their people are just going to be like, look, this is unacceptable. It's not working. We're, we're moving on. Well, I think it all depends on the dealings behind the scenes, you know, who's ready to contribute, who can they get to come in there. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on who you ask. Cause I mean, some people they'll just die on the sword for Jimbo and I just don't get it. And it's nothing personal, but I mean, the guys, he had that one great year at Florida state. And I mean, if you follow that, the trajectory of that program, that's exactly what's happening at A&M right now. Offense is an issue. Offensive line is an issue. Quarterback is an issue. And like you said, defense, their de- scoring defense is pretty good. Defense has only been the only thing holding that program together for years. Mike Elko left. Now, of course, the Duke head coach, DJ Dirk, can come in there. He's doing a good job. Like you said, there's a lot of young talent. That young talent started to emerge a lot more in against Alabama. They were making plays. If that trend continues – Yes, maybe A&M can finish really strong. They should beat just about everybody on their schedule. I just don't have confidence for them to do it. So, you know, if they if they win out, if they go – I think they got five games left. If they go four and one, you know, four, I think they'll be – he'll certainly be back. But, I'm, you know, if they lose to South Carolina again, I, I just don't think they've got any excuse. A, t- a team they've never lost to as an SEC opponent – uh, not that doesn't mean South Carolina's horrible. I mean, they're sitting here at four and two, one of the best stories in the SEC. But how many players on South Carolina's roster would Jimbo take over someone on his? I, I mean, it, it's got to be a, a handful at most. So uh, they should win this football game. But no, it wouldn't surprise me if they say, you know, maybe next year we got all this young talent. We got this five. We're going to hear all off season, JC, how great Connor Wigman is. And I hope he is. You know, I got nothing against him. He may. He'll be the about the fifth Johnny Manziel they've had down there at College Station. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome! Uh, all right, so some other games around the league, Mike. Uh, Ole Miss, LSU, intriguing. Les Miles used to say Death Valley in Baton Rouge is where dreams went to die. Ole Miss has some dreams. They're seven and zero. I don't know how good they are. Uh, to me, this Ole Miss team's not as good as last year's Ole Miss team. I think they're much better on defense than, than they have been under Kiffin. But, uh, you know, but, but they keep winning. Uh, held off Auburn the other uh, week. And going down there to uh, Baton Rouge is no picnic. But uh, LSU's a two-point favorite right now. How do you see this one working? I thought a huge win for LSU last week in the Swamp. Yeah, and I get that. Um, you know, it's, it's a complete toss-up, in my opinion. Uh, home field, obviously, you got to give LSU a little bit of an edge, but it wasn't much of a home field advantage when Tennessee rolled in there. So that I think that might be a little overrated as long as it's not a night game there in Death yeah, Valley. It's a, it's a two, game, yeah. 2.30 kickoff down there. So, you know, I'm kind of leaning old Miss. But, it, but, again, it would not surprise me either way. I think we live in a world, J.C., where we just overreact to what happened last week. And, yes, yeah. that, was a, that was a great win. Six 
LSU came out six straight drives, scored a touchdown to open the game. If they can carry that over, they will beat Ole Miss. But this is an LSU team that's been up and down all season. They got two freshman offensive tackles. That hasn't really killed them. It, it hurt them against Tennessee. One of the, one of the tackles was out. That, that's what really killed LSU going into that matchup, just the lack of continuity on that offensive line. But Jaden Daniels, I mean, he I think he scored six touchdowns in the last game. He he's incredible. He is the offense. I think he I think he's got like 85% of their total offensive production. So he may be, I'm not saying he's the best player in the SEC, but I think he's the most valuable to his team based on uh, you know, you, you take him off the team. I don't know where LSU would be, but I, I don't know. It, Ole Miss keeps getting the, the disrespect card, and I think they can play it for another week. That their running game is elite. I think they'll be able to run the ball on LSU. Florida ran for over 200 yards on LSU. If, if Ole Miss can have that that type of production, as long as they don't need Jackson Dart to win them the football game, I think they can do it. So I'm kind of leaning towards Ole Miss on that one. Trouble in Tuscaloosa. Um, I, I saw Nick Saban's press conference this week. I mentioned it earlier, Mike. Didn't look like himself. Looked uh, agitated, nervous, upset, worried, concerned. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, we've seen him in situations like this before come out and just uh, roll people, right? Alabama's a 21-point favorite. Mississippi State's taking that drive over uh, from Starkville where you lose cell phone service for like an hour and then you kind of feel like you're in a time warp. Uh, but uh, they're coming over to play the Tide. Um, people, I, don't, I actually don't think people understand how close those two schools are, you know, driving-wise. But, uh, you know. It's, it's the closest uh, proximity of any SEC yeah. programs. Yeah, because you, you go you get to Starkville a lot. You know, if you're coming from, like, Atlanta, it's uh, usually good to just go to Tuscaloosa, and then at some point you take a left and keep going. And like I said, you go through the time warp and you're in Mississippi. But uh, – <laughs> That's uh, that's the deal there. But uh, your thoughts on this game, you know, two disappointing performances last week was, you know, I, I don't know whether to think Kentucky just got back up off the mat and played their game and won or whether that's the Mike Leach game that every year you kind of scratch your head and how the hell they lose that one or, or what. You know, I, I think Phil and I were both really bullish on the Bulldogs, no pun intended. Uh, but now, you know, they're looking at t- dropping to two and three if they don't go into Tuscaloosa and pull an upset and – you know, th- this one's pretty interesting to me as well in terms of which program or which school, which team will respond. Yeah. Well, and I actually predicted that one, JC. I predicted Kentucky to win, believe it or not. I just thought, you know, with their backs against the wall, they lose that game to Mississippi State, their season's done. Mm-hmm. And I think they have more heart, more toughness than than that, even though they quit at the end of South Carolina. I hate to call it what it is. I mean, they, they basically quit without Will Levis. So – um, not to toot my own horn, because heck, I, I'm right there with you. I thought Mississippi State was go- this was going to be a dream season potentially for them. They they blew it in the fourth quarter against LSU, just got run off the field. They blew it against Kentucky. They should have won that football game. And man, Alabama has really had Mike Leach's number. But now, of course, the talent discrepancy is massive between those two. But I'm right there with you. I've been saying it for a while. I don't know Nick Saban. I mean, his defense. I thought that again, I thought he was this defensive genius. Uh, every time he goes up against a high powered offense, they can't stop it. Whether it's LSU, whether it's AM, whether it's uh, Clemson, now Tennessee. Oh, Lane Kiffin's had a ton of success. I mean, this is not like a one or two year thing. This is going back four or five years. Remember when that when Clemson scored, what was it, 40, 
40 something points on them in the national championship. Yeah. I remember that one. Uh, So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. And now, now we've got the NIL, which he hates the transfer portal that he hates. It certainly seems like Nick Saban is, uh, I don't know. He's starting to look his age. I mean, his hair looks more red every year. With what I don't know what dye he's using, but I, I you think it'd be something better than what he's actually using. So I I do anticipate them, of course, to to beat Mississippi State. It'd be kind of crazy to sit here and say otherwise. But if Mississippi State plays up to their standard, I think they can play with this Alabama team. I think Alabama may be a little overrated. There's there's still a top five team in the country, but remember, coming into the year, we all thought. Oh, this is the revenge tour. They're just going to tear through the SEC. They're going to kill everybody. They probably should have lost to Texas. Could have lost to A&M, who we just tore tore to shreds a moment ago. Uh, (laughs) did lose to Tennessee. They've got road trips that at Ole Miss, at LSU. I'm not convinced Alabama is going to not have another loss by the end of the season. So, yeah, like you said, very, very interesting game here. Uh, I got to imagine Nick Saban's putting them through the ringer this week in Tuscaloosa in practice. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely so that's the deal there uh you know i i, I think they're practicing pretty hard this week uh and all that yeah alabama defense it's a you know obviously it's a proven system and it's uh worked nicely for them over the years they've had some great defenses but one thing about that system is it will bust sometimes in the secondary uh it's it's complex uh probably a little bit more complex um and you've you've seen it at tennessee and we've seen it at south carolina and you see it at georgia now too uh, it's kind of the same system, um, and, and and there are some of the same problems with that. Certainly not questioning Nick Saban as a defensive coach at all. I'm just saying, you know, that's uh, that's kind of uh, what I see as some of these issues where, you know, teams are allowed to kind of find the spots down the field against the secondary. Vandy and Missouri, I think Vandy thinks maybe this is a chance for them to break the losing streak. I, I've, I've, I've thought Vandy, you know, has shown some good signs this year, especially on offense. Uh, Missouri's had just a brutally tough, gut-wrenching start. Um, I kind of think the Tigers will get right this game and, and win it uh, heading into South Carolina the next weekend. But uh, your take on Vandy, Missouri. Well, before I address that, I want to go back to what you just said about uh, that saving defense and the complexity. I do you guys remember Tennessee BYU? It was like two, three years ago where uh, Tennessee had they were winning the entire game. Yet BYU got the ball back with like twenty seconds. They had to go the length of the field. They were down one or two points, and it was third and fifteen, and they gave up like an eighty-two yard play. BYU kicks a field goal and wins. And in the post game, they asked Jeremy Pruitt, who runs that Alabama defense. He said, "They said, what what play did you call there?" He said, "I called the one that doesn't give up eighty yards on third and 15. So, yeah, I have lived the complexity of that Alabama defense in my life for sure. But yeah, Missouri Vanderbilt, man, <laughs> they, somebody's going to win one, Mike. Both <laughs> <laughs> right? of them winless in the SEC. I actually think Missouri's a little bit better." Than, than people give them credit for. They have lost three straight games by one score. And that's the first time going back to the 1950s that that has happened to this Missouri program. So they are just on a, a terrible, unfortunate streak right now. They've had two weeks to prepare. Their defense has done a complete 180. The offense now is the issue, which that's bad news for Drinkwitz because he's supposed to be an offensive guy here. Um, if they lose this game, 
you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm never one of these guys. We got to fire this coach. I would, I'm always a little too patient. You know, I, I like to give guys time and get their players in there. And, and, and I just think that's an incredibly difficult job, but not even I could defend drink. If Missouri loses this football game with two weeks to prepare Vanderbilt does, they are uh, sneaky good on offense. They have some nice pieces. AJ Swan, true freshman quarterback. He is one of two quarterbacks in all of college football, JC, that um, on a minimum of 100 attempts that has not thrown an interception. That's very impressive. He was key in winning that game at Northern Illinois, which Northern Illinois, I believe, was like an eight, nine, ten point favorite. So Van- Vanderbilt has got some explosive receivers. They've got a, their running back is uh, top five in the SEC in rushing, I believe. So they should be able to, to score on Missouri, uh, but it's going to be paramount that Missouri can can score back. They're getting back Luther Burden, Dominique Lovett. So must win for drinking company. I think Missouri gets it done. Uh, but this, you know, I would not be stunned if, if Vanderbilt, you know, this is a ball game in the fourth quarter. And and if it is, <laughs> it's going to be bad news for old Drake. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm i kind of a, a bit surprised about the hot seat talk with him. But, you know, they only gave Barry Odom four years. And, uh, I, you know, the, the, the hiring process when they landed on Drinkwitz was interesting because uh, the AD that was there at the time had three other guys, including Skip Holtz and Willie Fritz, I think were on that list. Uh, and then all of a sudden they, they went and got Drink, And, I, you know, I don't know that he's done – he had a pretty good first year. Last year was a little bit uh, iffy. They did sneak into a bowl, so so we'll see what happens. But yeah, you're right. I think uh, the uh, the knives are going to be out in Como if uh, they don't beat uh, the uh, you know the the Vanderbilt Commodores this weekend. Uh, we were talking earlier about game day coming to South Carolina for Tennessee South Carolina. Uh, looking at the schedule that week, guys. Georgia at Kentucky uh, is one that jumps out. Uh, Miami Clemson. Uh, USC UCLA that weekend may end up being the ticket uh, out west oh, yeah. for game day. Also Bedlam, but uh, you know Oklahoma's not all that good this year. So so hey, it, that could happen. Gamecocks went out. Uh, Tennessee keeps winning. Uh, game day could come to Columbia that that weekend. Even the, the weekend that used to be known as Sun Belt Saturday, and now it's uh, only half half. Sun Belt <laughs> um, so so Michael, I, so I'm guessing you're going to pick A and M to get back on track and win the game this weekend, or uh, against Carolina, or kind of what's your what your final thoughts on the Gamecocks and Aggies? Yeah, well, my favorite bet's going to be the under because I don't know how many points is going to be scored in this ball game, but yeah, I, I will be picking A and M to win, but. You know, that's that's more of a put my faith in the roster than anything else because I got zero faith in this coaching staff. So uh, I know they looked pretty good against Alabama. Again, that was a backup quarterback who kept turning the ball over. Alabama did their best to to keep A&M in that ball game. They missed multiple field goals, four turnovers, uh, and, and it, <laughs> you should win a football game if the opponent's doing that. Yet A&M couldn't even do that. So they're right there on the one yard line, scaring the, <laughs> scared the heck out of everybody. But yeah, they couldn't get it done. Pulling a but play so, call out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, there were some young players that emerged, particularly uh, Evan Stewart, that rec- true freshman receiver for A&M. He's going to be a future star. Devon Achain, very very dangerous player. If not for him, A&M, I don't know what they. did. Where they'd be on offense. If an um, is not good, they're not, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's key to the game. Can we get Spencer Rattler going? Can we get Jaheim the ball? 
that's going to be key. I mean, I don't know what in the hell we're doing there. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. It, it, yeah, we got to get we, we got to get the passing game going. Uh, if South Carolina can do that, they're going to be in this ball game because Marshawn Lloyd's playing the best football he's ever played, and uh, he should have a nice day here against Texas A&M's poor run defense. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Michael. It's always a pleasure when you jump on with us, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, hope uh, hope this great SEC football season continues for you, man. And uh, everybody, I think. Uh, in Gamecock land, that's listened to your show, thinks you do great work. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, praise for you here in the Nana's Ports chat box. So uh, that's usually a sign that we had a, a pretty good segment, right? Hey, I, pr- I appreciate the praise, JC. You're one of the one of the best in the SEC. So anytime you and Phil need me, I'm happy to join you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. SEC Mike. Mike Bratton from That SEC Podcast. Always a pleasure. And – uh uh, probably by tomorrow morning-ish, maybe Saturday morning-ish. I'll, I'll put all these interviews up on our YouTube page. You guys can go back and watch. We chop them up to, into kind of like digestible bits. So yeah, yeah. little quick hitters, things like that. Also on our Instagram page, Inside the Gamecocks. Also want to tell you, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Inside the Gamecocks. We're trying to build those numbers there. And uh, we always stream it on Facebook, so you can watch it there. You can watch it. Uh, uh, YouTube's obviously the preferred method, but uh, we are we always have uh, interviews, articles, you know, Facebook content uh, as, as it is. But it won't, won't hurt you to go like that if, if you wouldn't mind. All right. Final break of a Thursday show, Thursday episode of the show, Inside the Gamecocks. More interaction from the Nana Sports chat box. Uh, more talk about Texas A&M Carolina. Uh, who we got tomorrow, Phil? We got Wando coming in tomorrow. Yep, yep. We got Michael Flint tomorrow at noon to kind of break things down and talk about what the game looks like. And aside from that, just interaction, interaction, interaction. It'll be a prediction day tomorrow. So, you know, no, I don't think, you know, we won't put up a poll question. Uh, but uh, Michael Bratton thinks the game's going under. And I think the majority of you do, guys, uh, too, as well. It's a 63% under 45 and a half. For the Gamecocks. All right, we'll be back after these messages on Inside the Gamecocks, the ship. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA mid-amateur tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Mer Taylor at M-E-R, 
T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Yep, time to time to get back to the show shoot all right my man welcome back to inside the gamecocks the show with jc sherbert and phil mullinax here with you the second hour is brought to you by the burgesson team at remax at the lake give adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at a burgesson that's b-e-r-g-e-s-o-n at remax.net um also want to mention jc that uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the mississippi state family uh, where sam met westmoreland one of their football players uh, passed unexpectedly. Some of the intimations may be hinting at uh, some mental health issues kind of driving that. Don't know anything for certain, so that's mere speculation. But if so, uh, just kind of a reminder that uh, mental health is important. Uh, you know, and if uh, suicide is something that you are considering, there's a national hotline for that now at 988. Don't hesitate to call. And hell, if you feel like that and want to shoot us an email, we'd be happy to talk to you. All righty. That's awesome uh, that you mentioned that on that. It's awful, not awesome that that uh, he tragically passed, and uh, it was far too often these days, man. Yeah, it is. It's a, a huge increase in uh, teenage uh, suicide rates right now. It's a 
you know, kind of hits close to home here. Uh, you know, sure. I know mental health is something that's uh, important to both of us and uh, something, you know, it's one of the reasons why we have Sawyer on every week, uh, just because we feel like it's something we should all talk about and continue to destigmatize. Exactly. And, and Sawyer, uh, again, he, he passes on those numbers to us and, and all that good stuff. Uh, Nana Sports chat box, Ryan says, issue with the game against A&M is that their defense is legitimately very good. Going to be like 3-3 at halftime, and either we went on a block punt or they went off a turnover, taking back for a touchdown because our offense can't move the ball for crap with the play calls. Well, did in the second half against Kentucky, and uh, I thought that the play calling actually helped in the second half uh, against Kentucky. Beautiful play calls, uh, I thought, several times. Uh, and a good feel of the game for set at the end of that. Yeah. Execution was also really good. I, I thought, you know, especially you look at the big play to Juice Wells, you know, that thing – They've run it a bunch, but it, it, that, that's the first time it's been sort of blocked per, to perfection, and you see how that went. Um, so that's uh, that's the deal there. So I, I don't I don't know necessarily, uh, you know, you know, you talk about their defense, and yeah, scoring defense wise, they're they're stingy, and they force turnovers, and they've got good athletes and really good players, and uh, they're good against the pass. But uh, they're also 115th in run D. Right? I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, giving up what uh, they 286 to Bama, 144 to Mississippi State, 244 to Arkansas. Miami ran for 175, App ran for 181. You know, those aren't, uh, you know, I think the, the Sam Houston got 107. That was their season low. Um, you know, Alabama also did a really good job against AM bottling up their run game, held them to 70 rushing yards uh, the last time out. Uh, and then from what Tarpley said, that offensive line. Uh, for them, that's kind of been their issue uh, with that. So don't know about that, Ryan. Uh, uh, I'm with you. I agree with all the criticisms and stuff of the offensive system and all that. Uh, you know, I, I've been pretty clear about how I, help, uh, you know, uh, how I feel about it. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that at home, you know, Carolina, you know, is, is going to get stonewalled every single drive uh, against uh, the Aggies. No, I don't think so either. I know we've all been kind of scratching our heads over it, uh, you know, wondering is it just something that takes that long every year to learn or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, give credit where it was due. I think Zach called a good second half. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think you know, when you look at the strengths versus weaknesses, you know, South Carolina's strength, when they're able to run the football on offense, mm -hmm. they're, they're able to have a pretty good day offensively. You know, uh, when they can't, uh, it's not been pretty. You know, <laughs> you have some games where you're kind of like, oh, you know, that kind of thing. And A&M, on their offense, they, they've run it well at times, uh, not so much at other times. However, you know, it, it, it's they still can't – they can't score that well. Quarterback's an issue, you know, that kind of thing. So, I think the matchups are, you know – and Mike's right as far as talent goes. Uh, there's yeah. probably more future NFL players on A&M's roster than Carolina's by – the significant margin, uh, but man, talent. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know that it's that big of a gap when you talk about like younger players versus older players uh, and things like that. You know, I, oh, yeah, yeah. Experience kind of shortens that gap a bit. You know, yeah. I mean, because these guys are young. <laughs> yeah, and and every football player kind of is at their own pace in terms of their journey uh, through development, right? Um, and some guys are just. Uh, you know, they're going to be good, but it's going to take a little bit. You know, that, that's com That's more common in football than a bunch of five stars going in and setting the world on fire early. 
mm-hmm. and, and that's the kind of thing. Unless you're an Alabama receiver, a few years back, you know, I, I think you know, collectively, you know, it, it's going to take some time in College Station, but you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, Craiger says, "I will say the South Carolina offensive line doesn't look confused this year for the most part. I think that." You know, the last three weeks, that's really been something that, uh, you know, that we've uh, we've noticed is improvement uh, out there. And and I think, you know, a big part of that, Phil, they, they've kind of been rotating the tackles. Um, you got Wanham came back. You had Wanamaker out there. I think he's pretty good. You kind of got a group of four right there. And then Jalen Nichols and uh, Ja'Kai Moore – sort of have rotated. And I think, I think both those guys are playing pretty well, especially Ja'Kai. I think he's played his best football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the interior, you know, you got a Vershawn Lee and Jovan Gwynn and Eric Douglas who have played a lot of snaps. Plus uh, the uh, two-headed blocking monster of Nate Atkins and Wyatt Campbell. <laughs> Wyatt Campbell just turned – both of them turning it on here. I'm, I'm happy to see it too, especially for Wyatt. I mean, he's been here for Yeah. And wasn't with the team for a spell last year, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, Lou Rolf Elgin guy. So, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing there. Uh, Ryan says, rewatch the UK game. And even in the second half, it was more our playmakers making a guy or two miss for those plays. Uh, the plays weren't getting them open. It was just our guys are better in my opinion. Anyway, well, on the juice thing, it was execution. Yeah. On the, uh, but the crossing pattern to Jalen Brooks, that was kind of the play that stood out to me. Cause that was, mm-hmm a good play call. I mean, he was wide open. Uh, he just hugged the sideline. He just scored a touchdown, you know. Uh, yeah, if he just kept that one foot in bounds. <laughs> it's a good play call. I, I think the run game with what they're doing now with the counter play and the duo play on the inside, That's I think that actually is, is a better game uh, for Carolina's offensive line to go in there and play the gap scheme stuff. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, it could be better, Ryan. I just don't know that, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, you come and go into this one with this matchup, right, and say, ah, you know, the same people – a lot of people said that about the defense last week too. Oh, well, Carolina's defensive line is going to get blown off the ball and they're going to give up a million rushing yards and, and they're not going to be able to affect the passer and none of those things ended up being true. Uh, Rodriguez scored – you know, I mean, uh, he didn't score. He had 100, 126 yards but only 30 in the second half. Uh and then uh, I get a little worried about the perimeter this week, thinking yeah. about it. They chain the type of back that he is, especially if you're going to play Wegman at quarterback. You know, why not put a spread option together and, yeah. <laughs> you know, really, really just hit those edges and, and make South Carolina work for it. And hopefully we've got the speed. But, uh, but there again, I mean, it's like, you know, Key's last, you know, going into Kentucky, we're disciplined in execution, and that still applies this week. Exactly. After it can't turn it over. I think turnover is really big uh, in this one. And yeah, perimeter tackling has to come out uh, on defense. And I, and I thought Carolina, I thought Kentucky called them a couple of times with, with some of their outside run plays. But for the most part, Kentucky did not go uh, very far on the perimeter uh, against yep. Carolina. And, and, and South Carolina's defensive backs did a good job of limiting their big play freshmen like Key and. Uh, uh, Barry and Brown and all those guys. So, uh, you know, it, it should be interesting. Uh, you know, Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad are two guys that, that play for A&M, younger receivers that are really good. We all remember Moose Muhammad from the Panthers days, right? This is his son, Moose, Moose Jr. Um, and then Evan Stewart's a complete stud 
out there. Yeah. Man. Had, a, had a great game against Bama. Had a great game. Um, Austin says we have to get Lloyd going for anything else to open up. Yeah, I think just run run game in general. You know, that's uh, this offense when it when they're able to line up and run it, they're pretty good. You know, they they've had some good games during the Beamer era. If not, it's a long day. <laughs> it's a long day. So run the dang ball. You know, run the dang ball. <laughs> Quantrell, shout out to Quantrell for mentioning Evan mentioning Evan Stewart uh, right before I you know right after I mentioned it. So that's awesome. Uh, also says, I don't know, man, it feels like anybody and everybody can be beat. feels like the chokehold Bama's had on the football world is loosening. Give it five years. I'm all for parity. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no question. Alabama has problems this year. Uh, I think the number one team in the country that feels probably Ohio state. They really are. I mean, CJ Stroud's playing great. Uh, it just, they look like the complete package. I think, you know, both sides of the football, they're really having a great year. I don't know why up until what this week they weren't number one, right? In the AP, but that, you know, we got our issues yeah. with the AP this year anyway. Yeah, I don't even care, but uh, yeah, I think, I think they're looking good. And they, have, you know, they kind of remind you of some of those Bama teams with all kinds of weapons uh, in the passing, yeah. you know, everywhere. Yeah. You go top to bottom in the Big Ten, you're probably not going to find like a bunch of fast athletic teams, mm-hmm. explosive teams. But Ohio State is. <laughs> they they got fast guys uh, all over the place. So, you know, we'll see sort of what happened, uh, happens. And, uh, you know, Zach says uh, Carolina's 12th in the SEC in total offense. You know, his numbers aren't uh, beautiful. But uh, it's getting better, guys. I mean, you know, the last three weeks, the offense has played well. I thought last weekend, uh, second half, you know, you're 90 yards at halftime. And the second half, you know, how many they have? 260, something like that? 267. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Carolina, I mean, you know, for one half of football Saturday night in Lexington was good. I think you got to you got to get out there and do it. You got to get Rattler off to a uh, a faster start passing game wise. So that's uh, that's the deal there. Uh, Craiger says run jet sweep fakes with some of the runs. Don't just hand it to Lloyd out of the shotgun. Make the defense look at some eye candy. Yeah, <clears throat> I think pre yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. snap motion is a good thing. It's a positive thing. Uh, the reverse for the touchdown the other day had some nice. You know, pre-snap action. Uh, 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 and I like what you said yesterday with the you know running a draw, um, and I'd throw in some tall sweeps into that too, just to yeah. try to get on their outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it could happen, especially if, especially if Carolina's offensive tackles continue to play like they're playing. I'm not saying they're playing at an elite level right now. Uh, they're going to get beat Saturday night sometimes because that's the that's the way it is in this league, right? Too much talent up front on defense for everybody they play uh, to go out there and dominate, but I think they're playing uh, pretty doggone well. Um, so that's the deal there. Um, Zach says, take out the Charlotte game, and where are we? Well, you know, we, Zach, we can play this game all day. You know, take this game out. Take that game out. That one doesn't count. You know, I mean, I, I, I know this. I know what should give people hope is the second half at Kentucky now. You, you got to build on it, right? You can't go out and do same old, same old. Um, but you got to put two halves of football together in the yeah. same damn game. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Aaron says he thinks Rattler plays solid and connects deep to Amari and Brown. Boy, I'd love to see that. 
Yeah, me too. I was going to pull up Aaron's earlier comment. He thinks somebody breaks out. AB is mine. That's who I'm thinking, like Amarian Brown over the top behind the defense because they've been selling out to stop the run. One good play call, play action pass. Touchdown. Over the top. Uh, that's going to happen at some point for Amarian yeah. Brown. Uh, and it should yeah. have against Arkansas. They just couldn't connect. But that's that's his game. And I think the fact that at times they're calling dialing up some deep shots to him, Phil, um, I think that's helped him when he plays closer to the line of scrimmage. He was not uh, good close to the line of scrimmage last year. You know, they try to throw him a little bubble screen here and there, and he just couldn't get loose, and he takes some hits. I don't think he was completely healthy. Uh, but Amarian Brown is playing really good football. He's been solid all season, you know. Yeah. Uh, nice play on the reverse uh, to him the other night. I think he got nine, ten yards on the first down. So, we'll see sort of how it goes. Saunders asked if the game's not sold out yet. It's not. Uh, Clint mentioned somebody on Big Spur did say there are 81 tickets left this morning, so it's close. Yeah, it's close. Before we started the show, it was almost. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's essentially there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's the deal there. So we'll see sort of uh, what happens with that. A&M is down to a three-point favorite in the football game. Uh, so I guess if it was in college – now, and, and look, if the game were in College Station, I think, I think there would be a little bit different tone. You know, a little bit different yeah. feeling. That's a Kyle Field's a really tough place to play. Some some teams have solved it. Auburn, Auburn for a long time went out there could just win. Uh, you know, uh, I think Mississippi State's gone in there, gotten wins. Ole Miss, those teams, but uh, that's uh, with their backs against the wall. You know, I think they would come out in their environment and play a little bit better. So that's uh, you know that, that that's I think it's a good good. Good timing for this game to be at home for the Gamecocks. Zach says, I said that because I stated that Carolina was 12th in all total offense, and someone said take the Georgia game out, and we're top five. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they're 12th, right? Okay. that It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's getting better, I think. You know, I, I thought it got a lot better the second half uh, against Kentucky. I mean, you know, you're talking – if you do that two halves uh, of football, you know, that's 500 yards of total offense against a top 20 defense. Yeah, I think Kentucky's uh, third, actually 30. I think Kentucky's 31st in total defense. So mm-hmm. that's the deal there. Um, Clint says he did his part. He bought three tickets. Uh, nice. Quantrell with another. Quantrell's pretty active today. Uh, we all should be encouraged that Carolina has a decent chance to win in all their remaining games. Got to remember it's year two. Yeah, and, and, and I, I did say this. I, I did I did mention I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a linear build, in other words, uh, I thought with Muschamp, the roster was – and you didn't have a COVID redshirt year, you didn't have the portal. So I, I thought, well, you know, he's you know, he, he's going to have to have some time to build. And the expectation was, you know, get better uh, and then get a little bit better every year. And maybe in year three and four, you're, 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 you're seven, eight wins. And you get – you know, it's kind of like – kind of like what Steve Spurrier did. Uh, the problem with Muschamp, not a, not a popular hire uh, – had three bowl teams, and then in year four, uh, the bottom fell out. He couldn't yeah. have – that was never going to work unless he kept it afloat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think popping the nine-win season and then immediately just falling off the cliff, is, yeah. is, I mean, you just can't look at it and, <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. And, and that, tw- that 2018 season was really up and down emotionally – uh, I thought, but also, you know, the defense was completely gutted by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then that Virginia Bowl game was just sad wow. and ugly. Uh, everything happened that year from, 
you know, the Kentucky game where the offense fell apart to coming back against AM and losing still to coming back against Tennessee and Ole Miss and wiping away two fourth quarter double digit deficits to win those, mm-hmm. uh, blowing the lead at the swamp, uh, to putting up 600 yards against Clemson and losing by 21. Losing, yeah, it's just, it, it was an erratic season there. Very weird <laughs> year. And I, and I think, and then, you know, you have a chance to right the ship and, you know, in Mac Brown's return to college football, uh, you give up 200 yard drives and, and can't connect on the pass at the end and lose to North Carolina. I thought, yeah, that one was, that one was tough. That was, that was a tough season. Uh, and that's, that season's actually when the dominance by A&M started. A&M won. Uh, I think Carolina was down with 13-3 in the fourth quarter. A&M pulls away, wins 30-6 to that year. 2020, it, you know, Jalen Brooks dropped a pass early. Uh, and then that was that, 48 to three. And then last year it was never competitive either. The game that's uh the game probably had five yards of total offense heading into the third quarter. Um, but this is a different team this season. This is a different team at South Carolina. Uh you've got uh a better situation at quarterback, better wide receivers, better playmakers. Um, I think the defense is actually athletically better. Um you know, maybe not at linebacker, but, uh, you know, as some of those younger guys come on. Uh, but I think this is a different team. I definitely think it's a different Aggies team than, than yeah. from last year. Yeah. I think they lost a lot of players off that team. So, uh, but uh, uh, A-Chain did rush for, what, 154 yards on 20 carries last week, last year? I know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think Mike's right, though. I mean, you know, if they drop this game in Columbia on Saturday, the, the GoFundMe is going to get fired up to <laughs> – to probably start moving Jimbo along. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. That's uh, they, they got to, you know, you, you got to tap into that oil money out there. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, the prices are up, so they're good. Austin says it just depends on which team will show up Saturday to lose to a- App State A&M or take Bama to the wire A&M. I think they're the same thing. Uh, I think so, too, because Bama didn't help themselves. I mean, the one thing that we forget is how penalized Alabama was in that game, too. I mean, the past two games were completely undisciplined. It's like everybody listened to people talking about how Bama always gets the calls. Yeah. The refs are going in reverse while they're busy, you know, lifting weights. (laughs) Sidelines like, oh, We'll get Bama this time. Oh, yeah. That Saban's going to get it from us, man. We ain't Bama homers. You know, I don't know. Gun show, you know. Yeah. Gun, gun show. Gun Holding. You know. um, so, yeah, I think they're the same team. I mean, I, I don't, you know, they're opportunistic uh, to a certain extent, like like they, they were against Arkansas. Because Arkansas mm-hmm. is about to blow the doors off of them in a very big turnover Help change that game. Um, you know, Miami uh, moved the ball on them but couldn't score out there. Uh, you know, it, 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 they've kind of played the same football all year. That Bama game, everybody looks, it goes 24-20. They were sitting right there at the one in Tuscaloosa about to win. Um, but, uh, you know, Bama did turn it over four times. They missed two field goals uh, and were heavily penalized. No. Mm-hmm. And, and the A&M rushing attack only went for 70 yards. So, um, you, yeah. you didn't keep the door in, even though Bama left it cracked. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, Zach says Clemson finally got past their Clemsoning. 
what will it take for Carolina to get past the chicken curse and at least get to the playoffs? Well, he's got to keep building, man. Um, you know, the 12-team the playoff is coming. So that's a lot more for an, an SEC, you know, because there, there's a trade-off, right? You know, when you when you when they expand the league, they're going to go, and I don't I don't like this necessarily because I think 16 teams, one through 16, and determining standings in the championship game and all that gets a little bit. I mean, that's that's tough, you know. That's a 16-team league, and even when you play unbalanced schedules like that, and everybody doesn't play everybody else, that the scheduling is going to largely determine you know, where you end up being. But uh, at the flip side, on the flip side, with a 12-team playoff, you know, you're probably going to have three, maybe four SEC teams a year in that field. And so, uh, you know, if you're Carolina, what you want to do is keep building toward trying to get uh, a playoff bid, you know, just mm-hmm. like everybody else. I mean, that's uh, that's just kind of how it is. If, if, if Ole Miss can do it, uh, Mississippi State can get in the mix. Arkansas can get in the mix. You know, I, there's no reason why a program like Tennessee, there's no reason why a program like South Carolina uh, can't do it. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of thing uh, there. Uh, Saunders says, wasn't that Jeff Collins who had his players lifting weights in pregame warm-ups? How bizarre. Yeah, Jeff Collins era at Georgia Tech didn't really, didn't really work out. Didn't really work? Yeah. <laughs> How about this, though? Georgia Tech can win – their division. <laughs> That's a terrible division, by the way. I know. It's an awful division. That if they win out, they win. They don't even need help. They don't? They <laughs> no. control their own destiny, huh? They control their own destiny with an interim coach at Georgia Tech this year. <laughs> and, and I like Brick Key now. He's a he's a good coach and he's a uh he's a guy that um you know is a Georgia Tech guy. He went to Georgia Tech, he's an alum. Loves the place. So, heck, maybe that's what they need. I mean, I, I uh, you know, I mean, Syracuse also controls its own destiny. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just, Syracuse basically all they have to do is win this week. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about the only thing standing in between them and, and Charlotte. <laughs> They'll have to keep winning. But yeah, I, I, I that's, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, the, the Q's, you know, shoot, if you're the, if you're the ACC and you end up with this championship game of Syracuse and Georgia Tech, Oh, yeah, that's not good. Well, they all right. So, so Q's got Clemson, and then they played Notre Dame, which I think, yeah, right? They do have to play Notre Dame, yeah. I, yeah. Would take, I would take Syracuse to beat them in, in, uh, at the Orange Dome or whatever it's called. The carrier, I'm sorry, the Carrier Dome. Carrier, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Florida State comes to Syracuse at Pitt. That, that could be true. Ah, here, here's a game they could lose, Phil. At Wake Forest on November 19th. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize they were playing Wake. Okay. They've already beaten NC State. If they beat, yep. if somehow they beat Clemson, that Wake game will determine. So, so you'll have the Wake Forest uh, Syracuse winner versus Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'd love to see that. <laughs> okay. That's, that's something, uh, something else. You know, the coastal. They buy that t shirt. I mean. <laughs> Just to commemorate it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the Coastal Division something else. But, yeah, Georgia Tech plays um, Virginia tonight. Yeah, Virginia tonight. I think uh, they still have to play uh, North Carolina State, but uh, Leary's out for the year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. State's not uh, – this is not going to be Dave Dorn's magical breakthrough season, unfortunately. Mm, so. Sorry, Raleigh. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wolfbacker fans, but uh, uh, yeah, so Georgia Tech goes at, at like after this game at Florida State, 
mm -hmm. at Virginia Tech, Miami at North Carolina uh, in the league, and then they go at Georgia. Who made their schedule? Jeez. God, I know. You got five, you got five games left down the back, or six, including tonight, and only one home game, uh, and that's against the, the U on November the 12th. <laughs> Uh, here at Blacksburg, Tallahassee, Chapel Hill, and Athens to uh, close out the season. Oh, punch me, punch me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, time to roll now. Uh, it's been a great <laughs> episode. Uh, glad you guys enjoy SEC Mike and Chris coming on. We uh, certainly appreciative of those two, uh, for being a part of our show today. We'll be back tomorrow, Wando's World, as he's going to break it down, plus your predictions of a big Gamecock game Saturday night against the Texas A&M Aggies, the battle for the Bonham Trophy. Uh, and, and if you're wondering why, uh, I guess I've been doing this podcast since, or, or some kind of podcast since uh, 2016, Muschamp's first year. I'm finally I'm finally mentioning the Bonham Trophy. It's, I actually think South Carolina's got a pretty good shot to get it. You know, you know might actually could win it this year. <laughs> I care less about the trophy itself. Uh, most years, but uh, I want to see what this thing looks like, you know. I saw a picture of it on the internet. I think it's a guy on a horse. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. You, you, got, you got that trophy, and then you got the Columbia Cup or Mayor's Cup or whatever they call it mm -hmm. next week. Uh, so Carolina could get some hardware. Not a lot of not a lot in the trophy case in South Carolina, so be good to grab uh, some of those things. Daddy O said eight South Carolinians died at the Alamo. Yeah, I'm familiar with the story there. All right, for Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert here. Uh, talk to you tomorrow. It'll be last show of the week. Predictions, another game weekend. Uh, can feel the excitement out there uh, right here on Inside the Game Costs the Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.